Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. And my name is Chris. Hey, Chris. Hi, Joey. Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, if you don't listen to the Wrestling House show, or had... If you haven't gone to the CNJ Network website, then shame on you. Yeah, shame on you. CNJRadio.com. So, Chris here is the C... Of CNJ Radio. Yes. Chris is my best friend, uh, brother to me, for sure. You know, he's the man. And you would not be listening to any of these episodes of Rock Strikes 10 if not for him. I gave you full credit for that. Oh, thanks. So, I deserve all the credit. Yeah, you know. It's a good show. I've been listening to it. Still catching up. You put out like a thousand shows a week. So. Yeah, well, thanks, man. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who do know Chris then you are super awesome <laughs> and you've missed hearing his voice a lot this year uh and uh you know so wrestling house show it's not dead we just uh, this is a rare opportunity for us to uh hang out even podcast together yeah. so when we do get to hang out we're not as worried about recording the shows because yeah. you know we, we like to hang out you know that's the right. most important thing right shows are secondary but um, I figured it's a very special episode, and I invited Chris last minute to come on. He graciously said yes. So thank you for joining me, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, so now you've met my best friend, if you haven't before. And we are going to concentrate on uh, the albums of 2011. Yeah, yes. we've already... We, we're, we're a day removed from it, and I can't even pronounce it anymore. <laughs> the albums of 2011. Yes. And I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. This is not a cop-out. I'm going to play you ten songs tonight. Mm-hmm. And, Chris, you watched me struggle with this from the time before we just hit the record button. Right. You know, when people say it's a light year, I always still manage to wind up with like 20 records, and I right. can never get it down to ten. Right. I'm such a music nerd. I'm such a, <laughs> such a rock geek that... I had 20 plus, actually. I whittled it down to 20. I couldn't get it down to 10. Mm -hmm. So basically, I did a, I I have, I had like eight that I really wanted to play. Right. And then I had alternate 12 that are all really good. Yeah. They're really good records, and I enjoyed listening to them this year. I just didn't know, you know, it's like it's, you put one thing on, you got to leave this off. And I don't, I didn't know what to do, Chris. You saw me struggle with this. I did. I did see you. And basically, there's some bands on here that I feel probably would make a top ten if I really had to sit down and do it. Yeah. But I played some of these bands already on the show. I will mention them at the end of the show so you know I didn't forget about them. But there was a lot of process of elimination here. Yes. Lots of it. And I was also struggling because I really feel like rewarding creativity. Mm-hmm. I feel that even as long as just rock and roll has been around... Right. Anytime something cool and creative happens, I jump on it, and I'm yeah. like, especially if the music's good. Obviously, it could be innovative, and yeah. Be shit. Yeah. But well, I see, like, yeah, I like your list because there's a lot of, like you were saying, there's a lot of bands there that have been consistently good throughout the years. Some that are making comebacks that you had on there that are still great. But you have to, if you don't look at the innovative, the true innovators, then you know where's music going to be 20 years from now. Because some of the some of the people on your list have been around for twenty thirty years. Yeah, but then some some more so. <laughs> yeah, or more so. So and, yeah, and so there's gonna be uh, there's definitely gonna be a couple selections. We're gonna ease into those a little later on. There's gonna be some 
a couple of real innovative records that I feel like you you need to know about. And that's another reason why they're on the show tonight. I'm not yeah. saying they wouldn't make the top 10 normally. They yeah. they might. They just might. Or they'd be in my top 20 if I had to solidify it. Right. But really, like I said, there's like a top five and then there's like the rest. But there's they're just, you know, it's just a thin line between how good they really are as opposed to everything else. I understand. I'm really going to try with this. So right. here's the 10 today. Right. <laughs> okay. First song I'm going to play, Chris. You like great stories attached to songs, and I'm going to give you one here. I do enjoy a good story. Okay. Well, the first band I played on my very first show uh-huh. was Hanoi Rocks. Right. Now, they have since broken up again after getting back together, and I was really bummed out about that. But then I was like, hey, I'm sure Michael Monroe is going to want to make solo albums. And he did. He put out one this year. And not only that, he... Uh, hired the ultra-talented services of Ginger from the Wild Hearts nice. to basically co-write the entire album with him. Yeah. And so, I'm all, you know me, I, I had that pre-ordered. I mean, right. forget about it. So I was already prepared to like the record. The fact that it was a very good record, and I really, really enjoyed yeah. it, means it's going to be in this top See, ten. That's always dangerous when you're expecting to like something, yeah. and then you get it. It's, it can go either way, yeah. but you're not going to be in the middle yeah. about it. And I have a controversial pick in my top ten to that degree, which we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a nice lead, and I like that. So Michael Monroe puts out a very solid record. It, it's it's even good by his solo album standards, and I held it to that, too. I didn't want to hold it to the Hanoi stuff. Yeah. And I pl- actually did play a song from this record on a previous show on the Crazy Duets episode, mm-hmm. the one he did with Listen to Williams, the more country-oriented song. But I'm playing one of the rock tracks here. And the most amazing thing happened this year, Chris, just when I had given up on the vast majority, and yes, you're listening to this probably off of iTunes. Right. You know, I've I've said funny things about it here and there, some yeah. positive, some negative. Right. My whole thing about it is it's killing off a lot of these artists that I like, basically. Like yeah. on a like maybe people aren't buying them as much. But here's the other side of the coin: is that people have access to these artists that aren't in their local stores or maybe they don't like to order stuff online and get it in the mail which you know you should because whatever but if you just (laughs) need to get it instantly and download it it's there so the fact that somebody from west virginia (laughs) just picking out of a hat can can go on itunes and buy a michael monroe song yeah that's also really cool yeah so yeah. rest in peace, Steve Jobs. That's my Steve Jobs tribute of the year, <laughs> by the way. But the coolest thing happened. iTunes had an end-of-the-year list, and I looked at everything on that list. The yeah. most popular albums that were bought in full, right. like the so best album of the year, right. best rap, best, you know, everything. Yeah. The best rock single of the year for iTunes, most downloaded yeah. rock single, was Michael Monroe's 78. Wow. Can you believe that? That's, that's crazy. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to say about that. We, I guess, we just all at once downloaded that yeah. song when it came out because we were so excited to hear anything before the album came yeah. out, and we made that happen. I mean, huh. that wasn't anything that was in the press yeah. or on radio or anywhere else other than just fans knowing about it. Yeah. We made that song number one. Go check the list. It's on iTunes. Yeah. It's right there. Top rock single of 2011. Michael Monroe, 78. Oh. So. Nice. Yes, that was the single he put out on all the YouTube channels and everything to promote yeah. it, but I don't care. I'm going to play it, it here. Yeah. This is the kickoff song. This is the number one rock track of iTunes 2011. We made it happen. 
Michael Monroe with 78. There you go. Michael Monroe with 78. You can find that song. Uh, it's not a single anymore, just a single only. It's on the album yeah. Sensory Overdrive. So one of my top 10 favorite albums of the year. Yeah. What would you think of that song, Chris? I really like it. It's Yeah, yeah I've, I've always liked Hanoi Rocks since you turned me on to them back in high school. So, And, I mean, it's, it sounds really Hanoi Rocks yeah. to me. So it's I really like it quite a bit. I just don't know how Michael never sounds like he's aged. Yeah. He sounds exactly like he did on the first record, really. I mean, just yeah. like there's a little bit of a difference, but it's not obvious. Yeah. So, and he's still doing it, still looks the same. Yeah. He's going to be like on that metal show soon, which I think yeah. is great. I mean, that's going to be, 
I mean, people watch that show that don't know who he is, so I'm yeah. really excited about that. Yeah. I applaud those guys for having him on. Well, so. Apparently, a lot of people know who he is if he had the number one rock single. <laughs> yeah. So. I swear, it was probably just a few of us guys from the States, and then, like, yeah. everybody in Finland and Japan <laughs> right. downloaded that, and that's probably why it's number yeah. one. Yeah. But, hey, that that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, England. Uh, they love him in England, yeah. too. So, yeah. Um, okay, and this next selection on here. Now, I pretty much had it made up in my mind that this was going to be in my top ten of the year months before it ever came out. And a lot of people may accuse me of playing favorites. But I could pretty much defend, I would say, a good 80% of this album. So I'm going to play something off of the long-awaited sequel to Alice Cooper's Welcome Mm -hmm. to My Nightmare. Welcome to My Nightmare. Welcome to... So you're already cringing with the title when I yeah. told you about that when it first happened. So, yeah. And I know for a fact that you have this album, Chris. Yes. I think I actually bought you the copy of it. Because yeah. I, My dad actually made me a copy of it, and you actually got me one, too. So, yeah. <laughs> we're all sharing it. <laughs> um, so two copies were still purchased. Don't, yeah. don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, Chris, and, and be truthful, honest with me, I think we've actually both agreed at some point in our lives the original Nightmare was our favorite album of all time. Yeah, yeah definitely. At, at one point it was. I've always... Because my like I just mentioned, my dad's a huge Alice Cooper fan, and I got turned on to it pretty at a pretty young age. And yeah, Welcome to My Nightmare is one of my, I think it's it's still one of my favorites, not top spot anymore, but it's it's up there. And so I was excited but hesitant when I uh, heard about the number two, My Nightmare. Yeah, and I had my Dukes up a little bit, yeah. to be fair, but I was excited about the fact that yeah, Bob Ezrin was back on board. And he'd only been like an associate producer, yeah. like with Alice for the last fifteen years. But now they have this production company together, yeah. and this was their first big project. He even brought back Dick Wagner and Steve Hunter, who played guitar on yeah. the original Nightmare. And uh, and Steve Hunter's like a, a permanent member of the band again. Yeah, <laughs> and he's playing on tour. I don't think I told you this yet because it's kind of new. But it's uh, the two guitar players he has on tour now is Steve Hunter, who's like as old as Alice, pretty yeah. much. And this like Russian girl who's like 25 years old, <laughs> who just got done playing guitar for Michael Jackson before he died. Oh wow! So she's a whiz. Yeah. He only hires the best. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's what you see on stage. That's yeah. that's vintage Alice though. See, I, I still like Alice, but over the years, especially over the past few years, I've been kind of like, you know what? It's I don't like him as much as I used to. Some of some of the writing I think is just kind of silly. Well, I so. I think the I, I think the previous album to this and i told you this yeah. i hated along came a spider yeah absolutely hated it and i haven't hated or even disliked any of his records yeah. i'm a big fanboy yeah and i i like the garage albums i like the metal albums i like everything yeah. he's done i just hated that album a stupid concept album about a serial killer yeah and not because of the material it's just the songwriting wasn't there yeah and maybe if bob had been around it would have been a good record but he just it's like it just seemed like he pulled it from different demo ideas that he yeah. never did and it was a horrible album I don't even have a physical copy of it anymore. Yeah. I sold it. Yeah, it's it's missing out of the catalog on that shelf over there. Right. You will not see that CD there. <laughs> right. That's how much I detest that album. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. This album comes out. I listened to it. I, I gave it the full attention. Had yeah. the had the lyrics ready to go. Had right. the headphones on, just like back in the day. Right. I wanted that experience. And it's not as good as the original. No. But I think that the stuff I like on it makes it a great record that far all the good far outweighs any of the just so-so stuff that I thought was on the record. And I really only had an issue with about three songs. Yeah. I don't I don't like it as much as you do, but I don't dislike it. 
it's just kind of it's just kind of somewhere in, in the middle for me. Yeah. There's some stuff I really like and I really appreciate, but some stuff I really don't. I think there's probably some songs that we might agree and disagree on. Yeah. Also, like I actually think the Kesha song is kind of fun. No. And you you I know you hate that song for yeah. a fact. I, I I it's like the first half of the disco song, which I realize yeah. is a parody. Yeah. But he's rapping on it. Yeah. That's just an embarrassment. Yeah. But the second half is funny, and you can picture the visual of. Yeah. Yeah, the zombies getting killed and everything right. and all that jazz. I think Ghouls Gone Wild is an embarrassment. Yeah. I, I think that song's horrible. Even with the guy from the Turtles down there doing the Beach Boys vocals. <laughs> I, I get the joke, but it's not funny. No. And it's not... Alice is better than this. He's, yeah. he's wittier than this and all that. So really, I, that's the only stuff I had an issue with. Yeah. I didn't really like the, the, the Janie's Got a Gun ripoff too about Daddy's Gonna Die Tonight or right. whatever. But those three or four songs, I think everything else on there is awesome. When I first heard it, the auto-tuning really threw me off. Right. But once the nightmare part really kicks in, I'm totally in. Yeah. And I think even just this one song, yeah. <laughs> it's the first song back with the original band, which yeah. is weird because the original band wasn't on Nightmare. Right. The original one. Yeah. So you got the original band back together, sans the late Glenn Buxton, of mm-hmm. course. And they're just, right off the bat, they're just in sync with each other. Yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah. it's like, you, you, you could tell what songs have the original band on it right. and which songs don't. So, like, songs like I'll Bite Your Face Off and Runaway Train, those are vintage yeah. Alice-sounding songs. So, it was one of my favorite songs of the year, so I think it should go on my top ten list. Sure. I'm going to play you Runaway Train. And I'll tell you the really funny part about it after the song. For those of you who don't know the fun fact about this song, yes, this is the original Alice Cooper group. So here you go. A runaway train.
Alright, there you go, Chris. That was Runaway Train by the original Alice Cooper group. Now, as mentioned before, Alice has access to a lot of great, talented guitar players. Right. He had Michael Bruce from the original band playing on that track. He has Steve Hunter in the studio uh, filling in for Glenn Buxton. Mm-hmm. Two phenomenal guitar players. Who plays the lead guitar solo on that track but Vince Gill? <laughs> so the guy that All threw right. the best solo down on the whole album yeah. was Vince Gill. That's classic Alice. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm assuming they met somewhere down the line. But uh, that's that's one thing I love about Alice is that someone will tell him, well, you can't do a song with them. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He's like, I'll show you. <laughs> that That's his rebellion. That's why Kesh is on the album because somebody said, you can't do that. And he says, yes, I can. Yeah, but... There's there comes a point where his, no I have no use for Kesha so I'm she, trying to get you on that song she's terrible and she's gross and I just no I um and I know this is gonna sound really dumb on a best of the year show but I'm I was talking about how there's some songs on this album to avoid even though it's still one of my favorite albums of the year yeah. it's because I have a uh, a custom playlist for this album right. so for those of you playing at home that actually have the album this is the songs to listen to. Nightmare Returns, that's the actual intro. Track three, <laughs> Runaway Train, we just heard. Yeah. Last Man on Earth, Congregation, I'll Bite Your Face Off. And you could skip the next two, Something to Remember Me By, which I actually think is the closest he's come to an Only Women Bleed sequel. Yeah. And I realize that's why this song's on here, but yeah. I actually think he actually nailed it on this right. one. So if you haven't heard that one in a while, revisit that one. Uh, it's It's a beautiful song, it really is. And it's not, I don't, it doesn't sound forced either. That's yeah. the weird thing yeah. about it. Uh, I like what baby wants. We just talked about that. <laughs> uh, I got to get out of here because that's the reveal yeah. spoiler at the end. Yeah. And it's, it, it, that one's obviously forced for the sake of the concept. Right. So that's why it's on there. Right. And the underture, which is a nice revisiting of all the songs from yeah. the two albums. I figured you at least liked that track. Yeah. yeah. So. Like I said, I didn't hate the record. Like yeah. I like this song, the Runaway yeah. Train. I like we were like the concept of it. Like it's like you're listening to a train. The the drums don't stop. They yeah. just keep going. It's just monotonous with everything yeah. on top of it. And just, There's no chorus. Yeah, I just like how <laughs> I like that concept of it. That's not getting too clever for your own good, which I yeah. think he tries to do sometimes. Yeah, he he over he overthinks it sometimes yeah. when he should just like let the original thoughts. Yeah, I don't like happen. I don't like people shoving stuff in my face. I'd rather say. Like, just discover it while I'm listening to it. Like, hey, that's kind of cool that you did that. Yeah. And here's here's my last statement about this album, is that I, I've been telling people I know that are fans of Alice that are having, I think a lot of it's wrapping their head around the fact that it is the sequel to Welcome to My Nightmare. So that's yeah. where the problem lies. But when you think about the actual concept of the album once you listen to it, yeah. this isn't a sequel to Welcome to My Nightmare. It's a sequel to Alice Cooper Goes to Hell. And actually, <laughs> yeah. it makes more sense to be a sequel to that album because that's when he played around with stuff like disco yeah. and more loungy-type songs that weren't necessarily his style that people knew him for. Right. So it actually works better as a, as a sequel to Goes to Hell. Yeah. So that's another way to kind of make yeah. that album gain a few stars just by that rationale. So anyway, I'm, I've defended Alice enough. I still <laughs> love you, Alice, and I'll go see you every time you come to town. And... uh Moving on, the next song. Uh, this is pretty much uh, who I gave the award to comeback of the years, the Foo Fighters. Uh, yeah. Now, um, uh, the Foo Fighters uh, put out their album this year called Wasting Light. And there's another great story wrapped around this one for sure. I, a ton of articles came out about this whenever it came out. Yeah. 
is that they own their own studio, like out in California somewhere, and they recorded their last couple of albums there. And I gotta tell you, I hated the previous album, like Echoes, Patience, mm-hmm. Silence, whatever. It's a long title. Yeah. It's as labored as the title is. Right. It was a bad record. I liked maybe one song. I don't know that I, I don't think I've ever listened to the whole thing. Yeah, trust me, you're better off not having heard it because I really liked In Your Honor. I thought that was yeah. a great album, and they did that two disc thing where one album was really rock and the other one was more acoustic based yeah. and country oriented. So that was a great idea. But as soon as the next album came out, I was like, man, I guess they just are going to not make good records anymore. I was that afraid yeah. that I was going to be done with them. Yeah. And then the two songs they put on, two new songs they put on their greatest hits album, I didn't like at all. Right. I was like, oh, great, they're done for. <laughs> and I was kind of sad because they've always kind of been a nice, uh, another kind of handshake between the two sections of fans because I think a lot of the classic rock guys really like Foo Fighters. Yeah. And there's that connection to the more modern-based alternative people that listen to you know modern alternative radio and they play the Foo Fighters too so it's a nice nice crossover yeah and I I like the fact that something like that happens and I don't like them just on that principle yeah they actually do write good songs and I've always liked the Foo Fighters yeah like from the first record I remember when the first record came out and I was like really liked it Monkey Wrench I guess that was their second one second one Color in the Shape and Color in the Shape one of the best follow-up albums ever yeah so I mean I heard Monkey Wrench and I bought the record and I was like this is yeah. really great yeah and I've, I've liked them ever since yeah and uh you know they and yeah i was just so heartbroken because they still play these big shows and i was yeah. like I, I would still go see them live that yeah. was one of those things like i just won't buy the records anymore mm-hmm. this thing came out and i was like "Ooh!" what happened was they apparently moved back into the garage mm-hmm. that they recorded um uh there's nothing left to lose album on yeah. which i love that record so they said basically we had to go back to the garage to make a good album, and they went back to recording on analog, and that's kind of been a big deal for a few bands. Kiss did it on their last album. They yeah. like the, a lot of bands are like, we are not going to record on Pro Tools. We're recording on analog because the albums sound better that way. They right. sound more rock, right. less process sounding, and yeah, they like edit on Pro Tools now, so you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> well, the ease of the editing, but yeah, getting the the feel and the 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 aura, I guess, of the analog. Yeah, it's exactly. The, that's yeah. In, intangible. It's like a movie on film versus a movie on digital. You can tell the difference. You can't maybe put it into words, but you can tell. Yeah. And as you can see in that booklet, the, the fun little gimme of buying the album is that you get a piece of the analog tape. Yeah. And that's nice. that. That's what they a little strip in there. It's like a cell. Yeah, know? that's cool. So you, you own a piece of it. Even if it's a blank thing, it's kind of a cool thing yeah. to have in there, you yeah. know. Who knows if it's the right. real thing or not. <laughs> right. But uh, a bunch of great intangibles, like I said, going back to the garage, recording on analog, and bringing Pat Samir back into the band That's awesome, yeah. is is a, is just it's it, it, it musically, I guess, like on a technical bare bones level, they didn't need to bring him back. Yeah, bringing him back means they have three guitar players now. Right, but. I was reading, you know, of course they asked that question in every interview of him, and they're like, well, why'd you do it? It's like, well, Pat's a friend, number one, yeah. and not that, you know, and he didn't, you know, we don't need three guitar players, but it's the, it's the feel, it's the attitude, it's yeah. the, it's the, you know, the camaraderie makes a lot of difference in the material you record. Right. So he was a great X Factor, and I think he had a lot to do with just bringing it back to the basics. Yeah. And it's on this record. I don't think there's a bad song on this album, but I'm going to play you my favorite song, which is actually the closer on the album. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a big one. So uh, this one's called Walk. Check it out. Mm-hmm. 
And if that don't put the fire in your belly, yeah. <laughs> okay. That was the Foo Fighters with Walk. What you think of that one, Chris? I really like that. Yeah. I think they're back to making good records again. <laughs> I, if everything on that record's like that, then yeah. It's pretty close. It's not as epic as that because well, that's yeah. the big epic album yeah. closer. But it's a very consistent album. Uh, I even forgot to mention, like even I was just listening to the lyrical content there. Learning to walk again was basically them getting back to basics. I think that might have been the inspiration for yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, even Chris Novoselic guests on that album. So you have three fourths of the last lineup of Nirvana on there. So you Nirvana yeah. fans, there's a there's a fun fact for you there. Yeah. Um, I say get the record. If you, I, I don't know how you don't like rock and roll and not like that band. It's <laughs> right. Just, it's, yeah. I'm glad that there's bands like that around. We talk about innovation a lot, but it's nice that there's a band that you can, you know, have consistency. Right. There. And right. Thank, thank God you guys are back. Come back of the year. Thank you, Foo Fighters. Uh, I don't know what you call this. Uh, it's not a comeback. It's it's the biggest delay ever. It's uh, you know we. Uh, for the last 15 years, us rock geeks have made Chinese democracy jokes, and the thing came out. It's not funny anymore. Well, it's funny, but it's funny in a different way. Right. One good song. Anyway, this album didn't come out for 42 years. And, you know, I have a bone to pick, which I do from time to time on Rock Strikes 10, with uh, rock journalists, especially you Rolling Stone types, and shame on every one of your magazines and free papers that call this album the reissue of the year. What a cop-out. That is a total cop-out because it's not a reissue if it's never been issued. Am I right, Chris? Uh, Yeah, you're right. Can we get around in that kind of language that... If it was never issued in the first place, there is no possible way for it to be a reissue. You are correct. Thank you. Because Smile by the Beach Boys is what I'm talking about here. Any kind of technical term you can put reissue on doesn't exist. Brian Wilson put out a solo version of the Smile album back in 2004. Right. But it's not the original Sessions. And I, I for the record, I love that version. Yeah. But it's not the original version. It, it's not the original tapes. It, it has had nothing that the original Beach Boys recordings had on there. Right. Other than them just performing the album. This is the first issue of Smile, so it is a 2001, or 2001, (laughs) wow, 2011 release. Right. So I think it deserves to contend with all the other albums that came out this year. Sure. Is that that fair? Are they so iconic that they can't compete with regular bands? I don't think so. I think they're so iconic that they're afraid to have them compete with other bands. I think that's that's a lot of it, because I think, and... uh, I would be hard-pressed not to rank it number one in that aspect, honestly, with anything else that came out this year. Right. So it's, I feel like it's not fair for me to have to rank it with everything else, but I still try to do it anyway, damn it. <laughs> Anybody, no one else had the balls to do it, I guess. You're I don't really know. worked up over this. I am, because it's, it's bullshit. Yeah, okay, it's getting the press as being a good album, right. but it's like... It's like a, it's almost like it doesn't matter. It's right. been 42 fucking years. <laughs> Pardon my language. But... Yeah, because it's almost like it's such a wholesome image of a band, you know. I right. really, but uh, Chris, I played you a bootleg copy of the Smile Sessions years ago, right. like ten years ago, probably. Yeah. And uh, you know, I know you've never been the biggest fan of the Beach Boys in the world. I like. The I know Beach your Boys. dad's not for sure. My dad isn't, but I like the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah. So what what did you think about hearing that and and knowing what you knew about him before and then hearing that kind of stuff? Um, it's, I mean, 
it's really different. I mean, what you if you don't know the Beach Boys, what you associate with them is vastly different than than that. It's I don't know. And I've always called them the most misunderstood band in yeah. the world. I, I don't think that that's a. I don't think I'm being a fanboy when I say that. Right. Because digging deep, it's pretty rewarding. I think. Yeah. Um, and this was an album that was supposed to come out in 1967, and this was going to be his answer, Brian Wilson's answer to the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's. Right. And between that record being really, really good, awesome, iconic, and you know him just abandoning the project because right. he he was fighting with the band. They didn't. Some of them didn't like the material. They thought it was too weird. Yeah. The label was coming down hard on him because he didn't have twelve good vibrations on here. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's basically why it, it, the album flows and it doesn't stop. Also, when you listen to it, yeah. that was unheard of at the time. Also, Sergeant Pepper wasn't doing that. Right. You know, they were playing in seventh and ninth chords, and the Beatles weren't doing that yet, hardly. Yeah, they were. They were always ahead musically until they gave up. Right. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, this album came out, and you know, I still feel like that it's not getting. I guess it's just too long of a wait. I understand that people have lived and died, and this album hadn't come out until this year, forty-two years. I think anybody that's any kind of fan of music should own this album. Smile. It's. I, I, it's it's a true masterpiece. I can't rank it on a list, uh, but it's in my top albums of the year. Gotcha. I think that's fair enough, right? Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Now, uh, what to play? I told you that it doesn't really stop, so I'm going to play you a song I can isolate pretty well off of it. And it's a song I think it's probably one of the most brilliant songs on the album. And it's not really on any of the best of and stuff like that because you'll you'll like the the kickoff track heroes and villains is on the occasional beach boys best of yeah so i'm, I'm guessing some of you have heard that song yeah. i'm gonna play you um this is our ballad of the night here i'm gonna play you a song that doesn't sound like a ballad from its title but it's probably one of the most beautiful things that brian wilson ever wrote this is surf's up the diamond necklace played the pawn And a handsome drum to love Woke to a handsome man at the top A fine class aristocracy Back through the opera glass You see the pit and the pendulum drum Taken me, dim chandelier awaken me to a song dissolved in the dark. The music hall, the costly bow, the music all is lost for now to a muted trumpeter's swan. Are you 
carriage across the fog to step to lamplight salutin the laughs come hard in all things the glass was raised to fire and rose the fullness of the wine the dim last toasting Beach Boys with Surf's Up, and you can find that on the ever-amazing album called Smile. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. It just, it always blows me away, that particular song. I mean, I, I don't I don't think I've played the Beach Boys on Rock Strikes 10 yet. I'm starting to have enough shows to now where I can't remember everything that I've played, <laughs> but I don't think that I've outed myself as the massive Beach Boys nerd that I am. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I think that they're very valid and they are not a joke, despite what Mike Love has made the band out to be for the last 20 yeah. years. Well, like you were saying, I mean, they're so incredibly talented musically, and this is one of those records you were talking about sitting down with the Alice book and like reading the lyrics while yeah. it's going on. Read the lyrics with this and try to figure it out because yeah. there's a lot of meaning in there, but you may not know what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's written by Van Dyke Parks and Brian Wilson as a yeah. collaborative thing. That was the interesting thing is that Brian Wilson. Yes, he gets the genius label, and I think pretty much rightfully so. Musically, he is a genius. Yeah. I believe that. But like Pet Sounds, uh, he co-wrote that with a guy named Tony Asher. Yeah. So he's always had people to collaborate with, and I think that's important. He doesn't get, you know, I think that's a way he's probably never been able to be totally full of himself because yeah. he's still a pretty humble guy. Yeah. Uh, but I like that. And just I can hear Dennis Wilson and Carl Wilson on there still, and I – they're so very missed, and I will go to that 50th anniversary tour, yeah. but they will be really missed, yeah. uh, as good as they could possibly sound. Uh, Carl was the heart and soul of the Beach Boys, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he freaking sang God Only Knows, and that's him. Yeah. 
So anyway, I'm gonna stop nerding out on the Beach Boys. Go get Smile if you're any kind of music fan. I you can't you can't you have no defense if, if to me anyway. All right. So yeah, moving on. Uh, another group of boys <laughs> played these guys on episode number two. I'm positive of that. Yep. I'm gonna play some by the Beastie Boys. Yes, uh, the Beastie Boys. They had quite a bit of a delay on this album actually. Hot Sauce Committee Part Two. <laughs> Where's the part one, you ask? Well, that's the album they trashed uh, in favor of this one. They pretty much had the album done, but I think they had a couple of songs afterwards and changed the track list order, so by definition is the Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. MCA, my favorite member of the Beastie Boys, had a cancer scare uh, about a year, year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, since they've been back and they put this album out, I still haven't seen them, so I'm really concerned for his health. I hope I'm just being paranoid, but I want to see them somewhere. I haven't seen them really anywhere Uh, yet. They're not in their videos uh, still. You know, when they did that, uh, when they did that first video, they had the guys, you know, they had, uh, was it Elijah Wood and uh, Danny McBride and uh, who was the third one? I don't remember. Oh, God. I'm going to kick myself. Now, people are yelling into their iPods now. It's this guy, you idiot. (laughs) Um when you're yelling in your iPod, so who's the idiot now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're, I don't see them. Where are they? I don't know. This is really weird. I think they got in the Hall of Fame for this year. Like, I, I fact-check so well before we record. <laughs> um, but anyway, I did enjoy the Beastie Boys album. I, I uh, uh, you know, it, it, it was a nice mixture of, like, everything that they've been about their whole career i like that they had a kind of a retro feel that they wanted to go back to and i think it worked without sounding forced i like the fact that they picked up their guitars again played a couple of uh played a couple of rock slash punk tracks uh so there's a little bit of everything and there was some just straight up hip-hop but quality hip-hop i mean you know like nas nas is a great respected mc right he guests on this album with them and they actually have a song basically about how a lot of rappers suck nowadays. Right. I love it. Too many rappers, not enough MCs. Right. So it's a nice, nice mix bag, and it sounds like they're actually having fun. There's some jokey songs on there, yeah. but um, it's Rock Strikes Ten. So I think I, I think I'm gonna play the the hardcore punk rock song on it. <laughs> it's probably my favorite song on the album anyway. So here you go. This is the boys of Beastie picking up their guitar, bass, and drums again with Lee Majors Come Again. <laughs> Oh, that's the 
Beastie Boys with Lee Majors Come Again. I have no idea what the title means. It's indicative of what's on the song there, but it's called Lee Majors Come Again. It's off the album Hot Sauce Committee Part 2. I think it's the best Beastie Boys album since Check Your Head. How about that? Uh, So, it's been almost 20 years, but they finally pulled out one that I really like top to bottom. And I've liked their albums over the years, but I think that there's been a tad more filler than I'm used to from um, from my childhood. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I own some Beastie Boys records too, and I I, I get that. There's a few tracks off, yeah, all of them that I really like, but then there's others I'm just like, eh, I can eh. take it or leave it. Yeah. If it was on iTunes, I'd just if I got it off iTunes, I'd just download certain songs, and I wouldn't get the whole thing. Yeah, and there's like there's it, it, it's very ill communication esque too, but ill communication without the filler. Right. I will probably get chastised from some of my friends for saying that, but I think it's the best album since Check Your Head. Yeah. And uh, I hope I'm I hope my theory is wrong about MCA because he is my favorite Beastie Boy, and I I hope he does not fall back into remission. Are you going to start a, a new New Age Paul is dead rumor? Yeah, there MCA? you go. Yeah, <laughs> he might like that actually. <laughs> I think they would really enjoy that. I know they're big Beatles fans. Um, all right, so you know we've been we've been going uh, some some places you may not have expected me to go i'm not saying that to sound all cool or everything but you may not have <laughs> known that i'm a big beach boys fan right. you probably know by now that i'm a beastie boys fan if you've been listening since show 2 at least yeah. so you know that's not as obvious rock i guess uh for lack of a better term but I, I'm probably going to freak you out a little bit for the next few songs <laughs> we are going to get back to the rock i feel like bill hicks there's dick jokes coming i swear <laughs> But um, this is one of those things we were talking about at the top of the show, Chris, where I feel that it is important to, I guess, basically let people know that there's albums like this out there. Right. I, I think it's I think they're rock and roll enough to be on here, honestly. Gotcha. And I, I, just, I like rewarding innovation, like we said. All right. So uh, it was almost like once I told Chris that this record existed, he was like, I think, I think we're going to have to play this one. Yeah, I helped you out with this one. Yeah, and I appreciate that, because I was listening to it in the car the other day, top to bottom. I was like, this is really good. And, you know, I, I am no authority on this particular kind of music at all, right. but it's nice to have an act like this that that tells you, hey, you know, come on in. It's not so bad. <laughs> I mean, this has only happened one other time in my life with yeah. this particular genre. Now, I'm going to say one word to the audience out there, mm-hmm. and it's going to scare you. It's probably going to scare most of you. Mariachi. All right. There's nothing wrong with mariachi. Yeah. You know, some of you people that are my age or a little bit older, you know, maybe you had a Los Lobos album or two. And, yeah. you know, they're, that's fine. They're, you know, they, they, if, if you like Robert Rodriguez movies, you <laughs> have to like mariachi. There, there you he, go. He puts a nice rock spin on it, too. So Exactly. Yeah. And he's, he's, a, he's a pretty damn good musician in yeah. his own right. Yeah. And he does a lot of that music. Yeah. And he's done some of that some of that stuff with guys like Los Lobos. Right. And, and uh, oh, Tito and Tarantula, yeah. another great example. Yeah. Why am I going to play a mariachi thing? Well, there's a band that came out about 10 years ago that hopefully some of you know out there. And if, go ahead and get your pens out right now or get your phone out. 
know this band. They're called the Bronx. Yeah, I've liked the Bronx for a while. Yeah, yeah. they're really good. Great band from uh, California, it's East LA, I believe, actually, yeah. which is the whole point of this thing. Right. Um, long story short, um, they kind of fell into this whole thing because they were going to do some acoustic songs for a radio station, and they were like, "Let's let's let's try it this way because yeah. our songs are probably be stupid or boring acoustic. <laughs> let's put a spin on it." It, it, it took off. They've been doing. They've this is the second album, and it's under the name Meliachi El Bronx. I got I, I got the pronunciation of the uh, Meliachi. See, right. Um, Good work. Yeah, go look for any albums by The Bronx or Meliachi El Bronx if you like this next track, because that's what I'm going to play you. I, I just can't deny how good this album is, yeah. and I think it's got enough. You know, it's got that little ease in from the rock genre because they are a straight up punk band basically. Yeah. yeah. And and you know, the first time they do the album it's like, okay, this that's an interesting novelty. Yeah. They did it under a, kind of a fake name. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. But then they put the second one out. It's like maybe they actually really mean this and <laughs> it's better the second time around. Like right. they really do, like they're just engulfed in this genre now. Yeah. But that's cool. And there's bands out there that like to experiment and maybe you should put it under a different name, guys. Yeah. I'm just saying, there's some examples of that. Yeah. They, these guys are doing it so well. And they're so under the radar still. Everybody should know about these guys. Go listen to their rock stuff after this. But for now, you have to hear this. This is off. They don't title their albums either. It's just self-titled every time. I don't right. know why. But it, it, the picture has a guy wearing a, a gold chain necklace that says Merdiachi El Bronx on it. So go get that record. It's it's really, really cool. It's very rewarding. Here's my favorite song off that album. This is called Map of the World. Here you go.
That was Map of the World by Mediachi El Bronx. You can find that on the album Mediachi El Bronx. <laughs> I'm going to milk that pronunciation for as long as I can. Chris, what'd you think of that? I love that. I love that song. That's, I don't know. That's, I hadn't heard about that until just a couple hours ago when you like started telling me like what was on your list. And that's, that's yeah. so awesome. I'm going to have to get that myself. Yeah, this makes the show very spontaneous for us as a as a partnership here. Um, but I love doing stuff like that. I hope all of you out there enjoyed that as much as Chris. And uh, and I I really like that record. I think you should you know hey put a little variety in your record collection if you haven't already. If you could yeah. buy a Tarantino soundtrack or something, which I love those. Yeah. You could buy this kind of a record too. Yeah. Just just go get it and go get the Bronx. Like I said. Their first album was produced by Gilby Clark of X Guns N' Roses, so mm-hmm. there's a fun fact. Uh, they, they're just really great heavy band when they want to be, yeah. and then when they don't want to be, they got this. Uh, some band should have it so lucky, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's cool that they're successful doing both as well, that people don't... The, the people on both sides, like, I don't really know anyone that likes just one type of music, so why should bands be, like, pigeonholed into one type of music? Yeah. So, but they're doing cool. it so smart. Like yeah. I said, it, they're not forcing, it's like they're not forcing the people that like them initially right. to buy this if they don't want to. Yeah, exactly. But I think they're more inclined to do it because they gave them that respect. Right. They're not peeing on their, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so they're not, they're not, like, like, we... Metallica's an easy target. Yeah, they've been guilty of that a few times, yeah. and for better or worse, love it or hate it, you know, if if you want to really embrace something different, that maybe you should call it something else. Yeah, your fans will find you. Right. <laughs> anyway, okay, but I have to do that every episode. <laughs> it's gonna turn into the weekly Metallica bashing segment. Uh, for the record, by the way, and and it didn't make the list, but uh, as a follow up to the episode that I did where I talked about Trainwreck duets because yes. I was making fun of the Lou Reed Metallica album. Right. I have a I have a kind of an amendment to that, Chris, if you will. So okay. I, I should go ahead and do it on this show right now. Right. Uh, I got to hand it to Metallica. They're making... Uh, people are calling it damage control. Oh. I call it reparations. <laughs> uh, Metallica went out and did like a week's worth. You like that? <laughs> Sorry. Keep, keep going. I'm going to laugh for a bit now. It's fine. Uh, Metallica, you know, they're celebrating, they celebrated their 30th anniversary as a band this this last year. Wow. They did a week's worth of concerts at the Fillmore in San Francisco, this really nice intimate theater. It's a classic heralded musical venue. And it was like fan club only. Like They, they made the tickets available to the fan right. club. You could fly out, buy as many nights as you want. They're doing five or six nights or whatever it is. Okay. They went out there and did a different set every night. They played stuff that they've never played live, some deep tracks off of the Black Album and Justice and stuff, stuff they've never played live, right. um, all the B-sides you'd ever want to hear live, and when they could make it happen, tons of guest stars. I mean, ridiculous amount of guest stars. Everybody from people they grew up with, like Anthrax and John Bush showed up and did a couple of songs with them, um, even like Apocalyptica, the band yeah. that does the cellos with yeah. their cover songs, they opened up one of the shows, and then they came out and jammed with them cool. on some of their songs, yeah. and they did a couple of those S&M tracks with the orchestra. So yeah. they, it was every aspect of their band, uh, of their career, for better or worse, they did that. Right. And they even had like, yeah, they had uh, King Diamond, Merciful Fate, show up. 
but also Marianne Faithful showed up to do the memory remains with them. I yeah. mean, like it was everything they've ever done wow. over the course of a week. This is a great thing to do for your fan club yeah. for, that's been screaming, "Oh, I want to hear this live! I want to hear this live!" Go look at those set lists. They played everything. Yeah. And then they did a really cool thing. Well, I think the first night of their shows, mm-hmm. they played a song that they cut off of Death Magnetic. They never finished it. Okay. And it was a really well-received, heavy song called Hate Train. And then after they played it, they said, oh, yeah, by the way, check your inbox, guys, when you get home, because you have that song now. For, for you know, They That's just cool. gave the fan club the songs. Yeah. They gave the fan club a free EP of songs that they had recorded during Death Magnet. They never finished, never got around to it. Yeah. You know, it's a long enough album, obviously. Right. So just couldn't fit on the one CD. Four new songs, about a half hour uh-huh. total time. And they gave it to those guys for free. And then like a week later, they put it on iTunes for the rest of us to buy. I went ahead and bought it. Yeah. It's awesome. So yes. massive reparations to their fans for that <laughs> right. for that horrible decision that they made yeah. earlier this year. So, you know, hey, Godfather 3, man, just when I thought it was out, <laughs> they pulled me back in. <laughs> yes. Well, all right. There you go. I just had to, I, I figured I'd go on record by right. saying that, um, you know, good on you guys. You, <laughs> you guys did a good thing for us. Oh, hell. And, of course, they filmed every night. Yeah. And you're going to get to see a mini set where Dave Mustaine comes back into the band wow. and plays a set with them. All the songs they made famous yeah. right from the get-go off Kill 'Em All. Wow, that's cool. It's going to be worth it just for that, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, can't wait. I, I will buy that when it comes out. Yeah. Give me a Blu-ray and a CD box set. I'm in. <laughs> I'll, I'll, come, bu- I'll come over and watch it with you. Yeah, there you go. It's going to be great. I'm not going to buy it, though. All right, so we do a little rock talk after our Merliachi. <laughs> so say that right okay, now, now I finally off. blew it damn I was out of practice right after five minutes but uh hey I I got a couple of more um non-obvious tracks I guess uh for lack of a better term before we get back to the rock we're gonna end big but I got some uh, a couple albums that I really really love and I want to play them here for you I play a track off it uh, this is a guy, I think a lot of rock fans, even even hard rock fans that I know like this guy. I don't know a lot of the people that don't like him. Right. Um, but he is in my top five songwriters of all time. That's for damn sure. I'm going to play you a song by Tom Waits. What do you think of Tom Waits, Chris? I enjoy Tom Waits. Yeah. I, I mean, don't, I don't know if he's as highly regarded, in my opinion, as yours, but he's he's up there. I mean, he's huh. one of the greats. Yeah, and, and not even in music. The, the guy's a double threat, man. You see him in a lot of movies. Yeah. Um, I, th- I I love... <laughs> uh, one of my favorite movies in the last few years was The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. I mean, that was a role he was, was born to play as the devil. Yeah, I mean, he was great in that. That movie... <laughs> I don't know. I know this you had the, a little bit of an issue with it, but... This isn't a movie show, so I, I don't get I know, into I know. it, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't know what I think about that movie, but Tom Waits was really good in it. <laughs> yeah, that's it's 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 like he doesn't really have to act in those movies. He's yeah. pretty much just playing himself. I think right. even in Mystery Men, he was probably playing a little bit of himself, yeah. as weird yeah. as he was. It's always fun seeing him show up in a movie. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good people, you know, and uh, uh, whatever kind of figure he's playing. But I mean, it, and Tom hasn't really been putting out albums in the last few years, and he was on such a roll. Whenever the 2000s rolled around, he put out a great album in 99, and then he put like two out on the same day a few years after that. Then he put out a box set of all of his anti-records outtakes. So I was just, we were just like swimming in Tom Waits stuff, and it was (laughs) was a blast. And then he just like took a few years off. It's like, damn, man. 
So, finally comes back this year, and of course we're all looking forward to it, hoping I'm not disappointed. Oh yeah, he put out Real Gone too, that was a, that's also really cool. Yeah. And he even like had like hip-hop loops on that one, <laughs> and it was still good. Yeah. And I remember joking about that in the store, when, when I was working at the record store, when that album first came out. There's this part in the song where there's literally a hip-hop loop going on, right. and he's just wheezing into the mic. He just goes... <laughs> <laughs> And we're like, that's how much we like him. Because <laughs> that totally works. <laughs> no one else can do that. It, why is that? It's like we gave him, he could have, he literally could sing the phone book and I'd right. buy it. That's how much I like the guy. So of course he was going to be on the list. I'm just really glad that this was a really cool record. This harkens back, if you're a fan of Tom, this harkens back a lot to uh, an album like Bone Machine or Frank's Wild Years. It's got a lot of that element to it. Some mule variations type stuff. See, I'm really going obscure here. (laughs) But I think that I'm going to play the lead-off track from the album. I think it gives you a good idea of what you're in for here. So uh, here you go. This is Tom Waits with Chicago. That was Chicago by Tom Waits off of the... I didn't even mention the name of the album. The album is called Bad As Me. (laughs) Like that? I like it. And uh, I was going to just mention that he had a few guest stars on the album. I mean, Les Claypool plays bass on a couple of tracks. Uh, Flea plays bass on a couple of tracks. Uh, And I I didn't realize it was on this particular track, but Keith Richards... Mr. Rolling Stones, Keith Richards, plays guitar on a couple of tracks on that as well. So, 
not Tom probably never has to beg for people to be on his albums because yeah. he's just that well respected. So uh, go check that out if, if you know if you I if you've never owned a Tom Waits album, I feel like I should be fair here. If you've never owned a Tom Waits album, I would recommend you to do what I did. I would start on the two collections that they yeah. have out that represent like you know it's basically a best of. Right. Go get either used songs or beautiful melodies. And the best thing about those two is that there's no repeats on either CD. They had two different eras of his career. So use songs, beautiful melodies, and then just go from there. Wherever you want to go, that's where you go. If you like it, start there. Because when when you get deep into Tom Waits, like you said, hip-hop loops with wheezing, you're going to encounter that too. So. You know, and there's people. There's some people that don't like him because they can't get past the voice. I've yeah. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. People say that about Rush. I mean, you right. know, it's yeah, it's some people just can't get past the voice. I I one of my dear friends, Becca. She always tells me when we bring up Tom Waits, yeah. she only likes the first two Tom Waits albums because right. that's those are the two albums where he has a nice smooth voice. Right. She can't get past his uh, current voice either. So yeah. you know, and I I understand it. But I like it all. I like it I like all. It, yeah. <laughs> Late at night, listen to closing time. Yeah. And like the the, the, the nice stuff. <laughs> right. And then like deep in the jungle of night, you can get into bad as me. Dual <laughs> variations. All right. That's some, that's some good advice. All right. So the great Tom Waits. I've got one more very unconventional thing to play for you here before we we, we end big. But this record... I, I I merely just brought this up to Chris. I sprung it on him literally in the last minute. <laughs> right. uh, I I love the fact, and I'm I'm so you know I'm not picking on you because I love you. Uh, you didn't know this record even existed until I right. brought it up, and right. I I can't believe I hadn't mentioned it to you. But this is yeah. how much we've hung out well, this so, year. Yeah. To be fair, like a lot of my music, I don't listen to the radio because I think it's terrible. Yeah. Um, I listen to like classical music, or I'll put it in my uh, iPhone. So most of my music news comes via you for the, the most part the majority of it so well thanks man now we were talking about uh, Tom Waits being in movies and stuff and this kind of ties into movies for sure um, you might be aware of this fella here uh, a guy named Danger Mouse uh, he's a basically a record producer uh, he does have some musical cred in my opinion this guy made his career from nothing I mean he did that Grey album with uh, where he took the Beatles' White Album, uh, the musical part of it, and put it over Jay-Z's Black Album right? and made one album out of it. Can't sell that. I mean, it's illegal. <laughs> yeah. So he just put it out on the internet for free, and he made best of lists that year. Yeah. Like top tens, top five. Some people even had it at number one because yeah. they thought it was that innovative. So the guy basically just worked on this record, put it out for free, and he got jobs out of it. Right. That's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, nobody thought to do that before that. So he moves on. You've probably heard Gnarls Barkley. He's half of that. Um, He's produced um, like three or four albums by the Black Keys now. By the way, Black Keys El Camino just came out, and I'm loving it. So go get that record too. You know, tomorrow it would have been on the top ten list. But, uh, yeah, get that one. That's a good record. Anyway. Danger Mouse. So he's, he's gotten around a lot in the last couple of years. And he also did a really cool, interesting album with Damon Albarn from Blur, where Damon sings, I think Danger Mouse played like some percussion or keyboards yeah. or something. 
and the rest of the band was the rhythm section of the Clash, <laughs> called the Good, the Bad, and the Queen. You might have heard of that one a few years ago, but go get that record. That's a really cool. It's like the best two o'clock in the morning album I've ever heard. Yeah, nice and dark, and very British. <laughs> So good, the band, the queen. So the guy is really—he's got a lot of variety of tastes, and I really appreciate that about him. And I almost think that he—he he still doesn't really get a lot of credibility, like you know, because I think it's almost like he's too ahead of the curve right. for even journalists or you know anything like that. Yeah. And but he doesn't get a lot of the credit. CeeLo gets a lot of the credit for Charles Barkley, and he doesn't. You right. know, it's like just one of those things. He's yeah. just—he's not a rock star. He's just in the background. Right. He had this pet project that he wanted to do. Apparently for a while now, he's a big fan of Ennio Morricone. Right. The if you don't know that name, if you've seen what uh, the Man with No Name trilogy. Yeah, a lot of the spaghetti westerns, um, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, Fistful of Dollars, a few dollars more, and uh, yeah. plenty of other yeah, the, you, Italian westerns. Yeah. Hell, we were just talking about Metallica in the last yeah. segment. They covered Ecstasy of Gold. Yeah. I'm sure, you've heard that too. Um, you, so you've heard. I, uh, yeah. It's very distinctive. Yeah, I mean, if yeah. you hear one song by him, you'll know it's him because it's, yeah. it's distinctive. I, I someone asked me this uh, about a year ago: who the best uh, film score person of all time is? Uh-huh. And I, I pretty much named him number one. Uh-huh. I think I had him number one, maybe like Danny Elfman and John Williams two and three, something like that. Yeah, I think he might be. I mean, he, I've, I've picked up a few of his CDs, like compilations of his different scores. Yeah. He is so out there, but right. so brilliant. He's really one of the, I think, one of the musical geniuses of all time. Yeah. You know? But, uh, so, why am I talking about both of these people in the term? Well, basically, he wanted to make an album that was as close to his old film score as possible. So, Danger Mouse got in his head. Not only is he going to do that, but he's going to do it right. He basically tracked down every living person from Ennio Morricone's old score people like all the orchestra right. tracked them all down and and wrote this album and did it wow and that's, a, that's awesome and it really sounds like something that the guy would have done that's the best yeah. compliment i can give him is that it's not a poor man's tribute right it is completely faithful the guy would be proud uh, if, if you know i mean it's it's I keep going back to this record because it, like it's almost like it's not fair to put it on a top 10 because it's just highly innovative. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody else is like, oh my God, <laughs> how am I supposed to compete with this? <laughs> right. It's just classic sounding. And, uh, you know, for you rock and roll fans out there, uh, there's a couple of guest spots by Jack White on there. And, uh, you know, Jack's always down to do something different that maybe hadn't been done before. You yeah. know, just kind of, he gets around a lot. Uh, it's a damn shame we broke up the White Stripes officially this last year, but uh, you know I th- I'm I'm sure they'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a nice ease into the album. I would really recommend everybody go pick up this album. It's my like I said, Danger Mouse. The album is called Rome. Go get this record. Here is a song from it. Like I said, with Jack White on vocals, this song is called Two Against One. gets to me and if you think that there is shelter in this attitude where do you feel the warmth of my gratitude i get 
Danger Mouse, and I need to give credit to this person too because their name is on the front of the album cover as well. Danger Mouse and Danielle Loopy. So I'm assuming had equal hand in this record. Mm-hmm. Along with, of course, Jack White on vocals there. Like I said, that was the handshake to get you to maybe go check that record out. Right. Okay. Uh, that was Two Against One. Go pick up that album. It's called Rome. Uh, highly recommended. Uh, NEO, like I said. One of one of the geniuses of all time. How many you you were checking this while the song was playing? Well, I just looked at the IMDb. He was like composer on like 503 different titles and like did soundtrack for like 100 and something movies. Ah, I was on the soundtrack at least. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's awesome. So, go go listen to that record for sure. Last two song last two songs I'm going to play off the last two albums I want to talk about for the year. For those of you who've been listening to the show in the last few episodes, these are going to be no surprise. So we're going to get back to Rock Strikes Tim Basics here. But I got to say, out of all the records that I absolutely liked slash loved slash listened to on a consistent basis this year, I like I said, I can't really rank them in order. Yeah. But I could tell you for sure, this next song I'm going to play is number two, and the last song I'm going to play is number one. These are my two favorite albums of the year. Huh. So here's your rankings right here. <laughs> I can do the top two. Right. Next song I'm going to play you is by a band I played on the Shock Rock episode. I'm going to play you something by Ghost. Chris, when I came to you with Ghost, <laughs> what was your initial reaction when I started explaining them versus the first time you actually heard them? Um, I don't... I mean... I was interested, but I was like, oh, this is probably going to be, you know, another, like, metal, like, shock, whatever. Right. I was, but, of course, if you recommended it, I would give it a shot. And so, oh, thank you. I, I listened to that. it, and I kept listening to it, and I, like, kept watching the YouTube videos and the clips online that I could find. And yeah. So, yeah. And I think I mentioned this when I first talked about them, but seeing them is totally polarizing experience versus actually listening to them. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you broke down the lyrical content, it's polarizing in its own right. Yeah. But just the first time I ever saw them was actually seeing them. I I was on Blabbermouth, and they posted a clip of them playing at some Swedish festival or something. And they come out to that really weird song from Eyes Wide Shut when they're in the... uh, the, the, like that ritual scene with that really weird loop that keeps... They come out to that. (laughs) (laughs) So right off the bat, I'm like, what the hell? And they start playing. I'm like, wow, that's really crazy. Um... But yeah, of course, I heard the songs. I thought the, I think the songs are extremely catchy. Yeah, I mean, is that is it? I mean, that's 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 a novelty at this point yeah. in that genre. They sound different than I expected them to. Uh, looking at them, because I saw the pictures first, and then I started listening to them, and yeah. they sound. I didn't expect that. I yeah. guess I don't know. I I I really like it. Yeah, I mean, does it? I mean, you think that that? 
I mean, the record itself could have existed in the 70s. That's a, that's yeah. what I keep telling people is that it, it's not even as derivative of Black Sabbath as it is of Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It, it's just, it's that, you know, like I said, it's got to be analog. It's got to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I will say I've heard that they're working on new material for next year, so I hope it comes out next year because yeah. I'll be all over it. Nice. And like I said, there might be a few of you out there that's crying foul on this one, but hey, this album didn't come out in the United States until 2011. <laughs> yeah, it came out overseas in 2010, but you can't fault me for this because to me this is a new album. Right. It's a new band. Uh, I played Ritual on the Shock Rock episode. That's yeah. probably the song you should play to anybody listening to him for the first time. Yeah. It's probably the catchiest song on the album. This one's really damn good. Yeah. So this is probably my second favorite song on the album. So I'm going to have to play it here. I'm not going to double here. I'm not going to have any repeats. I'm really going to try not to have repeats ever on the show. Right. But we'll see as time goes on. Right. I, I told you, I'm already forgetting shit that I played yeah. on prior episodes. Okay. <laughs> but there you go. Chris? Yes. As, as they would say it, this is Elizabeth. <laughs> Baby! 
right, that was Ghost with Elizabeth, Elizabeth for the rest of us. Yes. That's off the album Opus Eponymous. Yes. So my second favorite album of the year. And uh, Yeah, I love that. That's probably, I don't know, that might be my favorite record. Because it's the one I listen to the most, I think, honestly. Yeah, it was I, in my car for like a week. Yeah, I was really struggling because I, I, I mean, easily the newest, the best new band of the year. Yeah. Not the best new band of the last 10 years, honestly, yeah. in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, I really struggled. I think I had, I think pretty much my number one is a seniority pick. Yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know. With this one, it's just so, it's so listenable. I mean, yeah. I don't get tired of it. And yeah. It's catchy and like, uh, Elizabeth and like just some of the, the catches. Death Knell, I really like a lot. Satan's Prayer, those are all like really stuck in my head. I love the, <laughs> I love how unabashedly satanic they are in their lyrics. Yeah. I think it's awesome. And they're not trying to be ironic. Maybe they are, but it doesn't come off like that. Yeah, it doesn't. And, and whether they're for real or not, yeah. I, I don't think that's even the point. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just, it's the icing of the weirdness, you know? Right. It's just like every after everything else, here yeah. you go. And I, it's funny because all those, you know, all the bands that they have to coexist with in their native land, right. a lot of those guys are so concerned with being the evilest person, like so yeah. satanic. These are the church burners, those right. guys, yeah. the actual guys that go out and do it. Right. And they don't even have to do any of that. And to me, I yeah. buy into their thing a lot more right. than I do all these other guys. Yeah. Like I gotta show you. Um, I I don't think you you haven't seen uh that Sam Dunn documentary yet, have you? Uh, metal a Headbanger's Journey. No. He's the uh, anthropologist that totally like is a metal fan and right. gets it, and he is documenting it so well. And he does that VH1 Classic series, Metal Evolution. Yeah. He's interviewing this one guy. I wish if Logan was here right now, he'd be able to tell me the guy. But the the best part of that documentary, this guy's so corny. He's sitting. This this guy, he's sitting at a table drinking a glass of like red wine, right. and he's got black hair slicked back or something. Right. And and Sam's like, "Who's your uh, biggest influence?" And he just takes a sip of wine. And he goes, "Lucifer." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, dude, how is anybody supposed to take you seriously? Yeah, you're posturing like that. It's it's dumb. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But the ghost isn't ridiculous in my opinion with the way I do it it's just straightforward here it is yeah and the, the, like I said that music man is so good if that's the yeah. second ghost song you've ever heard I'm sure now you're like I think these guys might be for real so yeah. go get Opus Eponymous and I have one more wacky thing to say about them and I shared this with you off the air as well okay Ghost is from Sweden right right the rest of the guys well actually the whole band is is completely anonymous no one knows who they are still right. apparently even the singer even though he's more out there right the rest of the band dresses in cloaks they wear masks yeah. under them no one knows who they are they're from sweden right. so i'm sitting there going if these guys if that whole country is so concerned with being metal and evil right why are they hiding their identity um why aren't they at least just saying when they're not you know because like even yeah. like over here slipknot people know those guys yeah. without the masks right. you know they, they don't hide it so they're hiding it over there yeah so yeah, the kiss factor, sure. You can go out in the crowd before the show, right. not even get noticed, and they've even said as much. Yeah. But but why? My theory. Right. This is gonna sound crazy, but I believe that most of the band, the anonymous part of the the extra anonymous part, I think those guys are probably in pop bands or like garage pop punk bands from Sweden. Right that just want to be metal. And I prob I think actually most of them are probably from the Cardigans. 
And my reason for this is because those guys have got on record with being big metal fans, and yeah. they were all, then a lot of them were in death metal bands before they started the Cardigans. Right. So I think that there's actually some validity to that, okay. and you heard it here first. <laughs> I think I'm going to be right whenever this whole thing goes down, when they finally yeah. reveal themselves. Right. When they say, gotcha. Right. I think they're all going to be mostly you're from the Cardigans. going to be sitting smug in your chair saying, you didn't get me. I yeah, knew it exactly. all along. Yeah, I I really hope I'm right on this one. Maybe, <laughs> I I see it. Cardigans got pretty dark. Yeah. So yeah. And they know how to write a good pop hook when they want yeah, to too. And exactly. Yeah. Ghosts can do that. So once again, it's you know it's it's not the ABBA guys. It's got to right. be Cardigans. <laughs> that's the only other thing that <laughs> it's makes the it. only other option. And that's the final shock. Right. Right. So whenever it goes <laughs> down, you heard it here first. Thank you very much. But just go, just go buy the album. You know, you don't. You, that doesn't even have to matter for anything else. It's just good music at the end of the day. Yeah. Now, once again, if you're familiar with this show, this will not surprise you. My number one pick, the final song we're going to play tonight, is by Anthrax. If you heard the metal show, that nice, great, extra long metal show, <laughs> I said I don't think there's a better album this year than Worship Music. And I was, in my opinion, not proven wrong the entire year. I love this record, and I sh- I actually kind of shouldn't have in a way, because um, you'll be able to relate uh, with me on this one, Chris, is that how bummed out were you when you found out that John Bush was not going to come yeah. back to Anthrax? sucked a lot. I didn't like it at all, because yeah. I really, really liked the records that he was on. Like That's when I really started to get into Anthrax, was Volume 8. Yeah. Oh so. yeah, Volume Eight's but basically the albums when no one else is paying attention. Yeah. Like those are our favorite albums, Volume yeah. Eight, and uh, We've Come for You All. Yeah. Those are just masterpieces. And we've Come for You All is turned into one of my favorite records, like of anyone, like ever. So I mean, it's up there. It's top twenty at the very least. Yeah, because so. I listen. I still listen to it all the time. Yeah, they're just they they're just they're they're heavy, also catchy. Yeah, motivational. Just get al- you pumped up. Yeah, I've always liked Anthrax, but. It wasn't until John Bush was in there that I like started to love Anthrax. So. Yeah. So we're big Bush fans. <laughs> John Bush. John Bush. Not 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 Gavin Rosdale so much. Um, <laughs> John Bush records. And you know, I guess I probably should have seen the writing on the wall. Like uh, John took some time off in the 2000s from the band. Yeah. After we've come for you all, apparently he had a kid, and you know, so he needed some time off. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And they go and do that one-off reunion with Joey Belladonna. They did one tour, literally no new music, one tour, right. uh, did it, and was pretty much done with it. And they even talked about how all they tried, all that Charlie and Scott uh, especially tried to do for Anthrax um, about 10 years ago was they wanted to do a tour with both Joey and John. Yeah. So they could do a set with both guys right. and just you know see what happens. And I, you know, they always would throw Joey under the bus, saying, "Man, Joey wanted too much money at the last minute, right. and all this stuff." And I was like, "Man, well, screw that guy. You don't need him anyway. Yeah. You guys are great without him." And that's all I kept saying about right. him. But then, you know, they go back, and, uh, you know, I guess whenever it was time for John to come back to the band, yeah. and they were even said so as much as like, "Hey, we want to do a new record. I think we're gonna do it with John." They, they. John didn't come back, apparently. I guess yeah. he just wasn't into it anymore. He yeah. felt that maybe it wasn't the right thing. He went back to Armored Saint for the most part full-time, which was his original band. Right. And he's still putting out records with Armored Saint. So, hey, hey now. Yeah. So, um, But, yeah, just the fact that 
They, they, they hired that new guy, Dan Nelson. I saw that Rocklahoma gig in 2009 with Dan Nelson, yeah. and I was like, oh, man, because they played great songs that night, but he just was not a fit for that band, and I was so relieved when they fired him literally a few weeks later. Yeah. Um, I just read an interview in Guitar World with Charlie Bonate. I think it was Charlie or Scott. I don't remember, but anyway, they're, they're always the guys doing the interviews, yeah. obviously, but um, they said he literally emailed us and said that he quit and he said don't try to contact us like he literally just disappeared from the guys he wow. quit the band wow they said even from the first gig they tried to play with him he was pulling attitudes backstage i'm sure. like what the hell like yeah. no one knew this guy before they hired him because they yeah. hired him to be the new guy clean slate right none of this two singer drama they i understand and i can appreciate the fact that they wanted to try this yeah just didn't work out yeah they recorded a whole album which wound up being this album with that guy, and they had to trash all of it. Wow. Well, not all of it, but you know, yeah. It's like John and John was like, you know, I did a few gigs with him overseas after that guy crapped out, and it was nice. Yeah. But I didn't want to do the record because I didn't write it. Right. And I could see that side of it too. Yeah. So I don't blame John for not wanting to be involved. It sucks, but I don't blame him. Right. So they called Joey, and I can imagine Joey's. Uh, hang up about this. Yeah. I saw an interview with him recently. He goes, I feel like I'm a last resort. Yeah. How can you not feel like a last resort? Right. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, obviously, majority rules here. They, you know, people were screaming for them to get back together with Joey because those big four shows were coming up with Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth. You want to have as much of a classic feel to their representation as possible. Yeah. And I'm assuming they felt a little pressured to bring Joey in because of that situation. Right. And I just think the whole thing, I was just like, this feels forced. When the album comes out, I'm sure I'll like the album. Yeah. I was basically just prepared to like it. Right. Pick up the record. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, it wasn't I, I was just texting the hell out of you that yeah. night going, because you were at work. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to believe this album. <laughs> I was just ready to just be okay with it. Yeah. This is great. They're they're playing like they're they're really pissed. Like yeah. how dare you how dare you make us the bottom of the big four? Like this yeah. is like it's like competition again, but it's yeah. healthy competition. Right. And I feel like musically it's on par with those last two albums. I yeah. really think that they just really they they've always been motivated because they just never seem to get respect. And I mentioned right. that on the metal show already. Yeah. But they're just—they're always getting the short end of the stick. But they're so hungry, and it really shows in this album. Yeah, Chris, and I know you're going to be a lot harsher about it, obviously, because yeah. I came in when Joey was in the band, right? And you—you you didn't. So, what's your impression of this album? I like it. it I mean, like no you pressure, said, no, no peer pressure here. You, like you said, musically, it does kind of sound like it inspired. It's on the same track as like the previous two records musically. Uh, I don't like Joey's vocals as much as I like John's. I just really don't. And I can understand that. And I, I think I, I mentioned it to you before also. I I don't think that John could have pulled off some of these songs. Yeah. But on the same ticket, I think he could have done at least half of this record. Yeah. yeah. But I it mean It would have been a different record if, if it, John had it wanted to participate. It would have. I think I think it has more of a obviously more of a classic metal feel to it. Yeah. It's got more um what do you want to say, like epic, heroic sensibility. It, it harkens, it kind of fills the gap of like, you know, missing Ronnie James Dio. Right. Uh, it has more of like an Iron Maiden Judas that, yeah. Priest feel to it. 
So I think that's the element that I guess the older hardcore fans expect them to sound like. Yeah. That's why I kind of said on that previous show, this is the record they've been wanting to make their whole career. Right. Because I think they finally found the balance between artistic expression and their music and their arrangements, which are always just top notch. Yeah. And having the, well, we have the singer that you guys like. And right. you know what? We didn't expect anything. I, I think they expected as much out of him as I did. Yeah. <laughs> but he came in there, and I think he just, that's the best he's ever sang. And for a right. guy that's that's up there in years, to, to pull off that performance on that album, yeah. I think, just no, no, makes. I, yeah, I like the record. I don't, I'm not in love with the record, but I like it. And I'll listen to it more. Um, but it's not, it wasn't in my car as long as Ghost was this year. Ah, that's Ghost cool. Was better. Like I said, I struggled. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I could have easily put Ghost at number yeah. one, but I, would I, probably I went have, seniority on this. I one. would probably have put it in my top ten if I were to make a list as well, but it would have been probably towards the lower end of the spectrum. Yeah. I think it's kind of like I can compare it to like the Misfits. I got into a conversation about uh, with someone who's like hardcore, like punk and rock guy about yeah. the misfits a while ago and i was saying like i like the michael graves stuff the best i think he's yeah and he just looked at me like i was insane yeah. he's like are you are you crazy i was like no that's the, those are the best records that they put out in my opinion yeah. especially uh, american psycho of course yeah I mean, we I, I played something of that on one yeah. of the halloween shows yeah. i had to uh well my favorite song dig up her bones I think yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay um but i think i i think i draw a parallel with them and Anthrax because I like the John Bush stuff the best. Yeah. He wasn't the original, but I think he's the best. And I think a lot of it's when you, where you came in. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of apologetic stuff being made from bands that I get into. If I started listening to you on an album yeah. that doesn't really stand the test of time as being a great album, right. I'm still going to like that album because that's when I first found you. I don't yeah. care what it is. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate to that statement. Yeah. So yeah, I like both eras of the Misfits, but I like I love those Michael Graves album, and I think American Psycho is the best Misfits album. Yeah. And I like the dancing stuff. All right, it's it's fine. It's totally cool. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but yeah, it, it it's almost like being a champion of something that is still kind of a secret. Right. And I think that's a lot of it too. And that that's like Anthrax is still like our band because yeah. they're still not getting their due. I think more yeah. people know them as a T-shirt band than a yeah. band. You know, yeah. does that make sense? Like the Misfits. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay, hey. Enough of my yakking, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to play you, like, this is it. This is the epic. This this is, like, halfway through the Anthrax album, and it's right. like, this could have been the closer. Yeah. But I won't spoil the closer, because it's a mystery cover track yeah. that's insane. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's like you said, it's a cover track. I prefer the original. Yeah, of course, I do when too. I, you teased it for me, and so I was, I was on my way home from work and sitting in my car waiting for it, and then, like, the first... Like, for the very first, I was like, oh, that's really awesome. Yeah. So, go go get the album just for our tease right there. Yeah. And like I said on the Mel Show, you have no excuse not to get this album. I've seen it at Target. You have no excuse. <laughs> it's out there. Yeah. It's available. It's on iTunes. Yeah. It's in all the stores. This is the 6 minute 48 second song that's halfway through the album, which is it's epic. This is the closer. This is called In the End.
right, that was uh, your host here, Joey's favorite album of 2011, Anthrax, the worship music album. Go get worship music. That was in the end. And uh, you're not alone if you thought this, but like every time Joey says, I can't take it, I won't make it on that track, he sounds just like Jeff Tate of Queensryche. <laughs> yeah. Go back and listen to it. I swear he does. Yeah. Uh, all right, that was a fun little gimme there. Okay, Chris, we got to get out of here. Before we go, I'm going to name off a few other albums. Okay that I liked this year that I didn't play on the show for different reasons. Sometimes I just played some of these bands a couple of times. Right. Love that new Megadeth album. Megadeth only has one bad album. Risk. Get everything else. 13 by Megadeth. Um, let me put out two albums this year. One with Motorhead called The World Is Yours and then his rockabilly band Headcat, Walk the Walk. Those are both really, really good. You know what you're going to get with Lemmy. Yeah. He's a lot of fun. Uh, Booker T. Jones. Yes, of Booker T. and the MGs from the 60s. His album, The Road from Memphis, is the sole R&B album of the year. Please get that album. Uh, the great Sharon Jones, who I played on the show before, guests on it. Hell, Lou Reed guests on it, and the album doesn't suck. <laughs> How's that for an endorsement? Like I said before, that Black Keys album, El Camino, is really good top to bottom. There's not a bad song on there great representative of rock and roll nowadays looking forward to a tease project that they've been working on apparently they've done a duet in the studio with zz top would love to hear that and where's the new zz top album get that out in 12 okay guys uh new york dolls dancing backwards in high heels that's a really cool record and it's it's the record they've never made because they used to dress and drag, but now they're actually playing songs that sound like they could have been recorded by girl groups. So right. they've come full circle. It's a cool album. Go check it out. A lot of fun songs in there. And, uh, God, Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears. I played them on a previous episode. Yeah. Their album, Scandalous, is the like blues rock funk album of the year. Go get Black Joe Lewis and the Honey Bears, Scandalous. They're from Texas, and they are the best band in Texas right now, period. Uh, Boots Electric, the lead singer of Eagles of Death Metal, Jesse Hughes. That's his solo album. It's kind of a fun dance rock alternative kind of thing. If you're a fan of the guy and all, you know, if you're in that Kaya slash Queens of the Stone Age family tree fan page, yeah. Then go get Boots Electric. The album, you're going to, ready, Chris? It's called Honky Kong. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Okay. Um, God, what else? There's some other stuff. I, I like the Chicken Foot album, all right? The first album's better, but there's like three, four good songs on there. And, gotcha. and so I, I'd rec- uh, let, write me, I'll tell you what the good songs are on that. <laughs> uh, packaging of the year, for sure. That 3D thing is ridiculous and really cool. Uh, I would buy the album almost just for that. Go buy a physical <laughs> copy right. of Chicken Foot, even though it's not one of my favorites. Uh, another one, uh, Primus's Green Naga Hide. There's like three songs in there I like, but they're really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's bands putting out good records. Um, oh, uh, Randy Brown of the Synaptic uh, put the new Jane's Addiction in his top 20, which was shocking. Mm. I haven't heard that album yet, and I want to go hear it now because he said it was good. Nice. So I'm going to go get that. So I'm going to just go ahead and say that's probably a good album. I, I, I trust his opinion. <laughs> that guy's the man. Um, the Cars move like this. Mm. The Cars uh, got back together. Sands, Ben Orr, and it sounds like they were yeah. putting a block of ice and, and unfrozen for this. Right, Chris? <laughs> right, yeah. Doesn't sound like they missed a day. Yeah. I think that's it. I'm out of breath. I'm out of time. Those are all of my favorite albums of the year, 2011. Thanks. Go catch up on those. 
Um, get them as cheap as you can on Amazon. That's fine. Whatever. Do what you got to do just to be able to own those albums. Try to buy them if you can. The the artists kind of like it when you do that. <laughs> yeah. I understand the internet and everything, but yeah. you know sometimes you got to do the right yeah. thing. You know. Anyway, Chris. Hey, man. Um, I loved being able to uh, broadcast with you once again. So. That's fun. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, come back sooner than later and uh, uh, write to us uh, individually. Um, you can, if you want to write to Chris, hey, Chris at cnjradio.com. We haven't said that in a while. Chris at cnjradio.com. Write to Chris. Let him know what you thought of his appearance here on the show today. Uh, Joey at cnjradio.com. <laughs> I'm so off with the plugs now. You're throwing me off because you you were always the plug man on Rock yeah, Strikes. You know, you've had twenty. This is your twenty-three episodes to practice. So yeah, and I'm blowing it right here. <laughs> uh, go to cnjradio.com. There you're going to find the links to the Facebook page. Like it, share it with your friends, spread the word. It's got the link to the iTunes feed. Please subscribe on there because they keep erasing my episodes for some reason on iTunes. Um, I, I, I am posting here and there on Twitter finally. Yes, it's a, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> I am on Twitter. Yeah, uh, just if you can't find the uh, older episodes on iTunes, just go to the blog on cnjradio.com. They're all going to be there. You just download them from there. All right. Thank you. And that's it. I I got to start fresh in the new year, so I'm excited. Uh, Chris, you got any uh, anything you're looking forward to in the new year? Uh, No. <laughs> All right. I love it. I, I've said this from day one. I mean, this with the utmost love and respect. You are my Fred Norris. And I appreciate you so much for that. Thanks. So. All right, man. Well, hey, everybody out there, hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you uh, learned a thing or two. I hope you found some new records to put on your shopping list because that's what the show really is all about at the end of the day. Yes. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a very happy new year. <laughs>